Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, the guys people are talking about when they discuss monkeys and footballs. Chris and Case. Hey, Heidi Ho Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions Podcast, episode 336. This is the official Detroit Lions podcast for Reddit. I am your dashing host, Chris. With me is my good friend and darn good-looking co-host, the Jeff, the Riz. Rizden, how are you doing, brother? We are ready to do this, man. I'm, I'm excited to talk to, to you to talk some Lions football. Oh, let's do gosh, it. gosh, I am too. Got a lot to talk about today. A uh, whole lot going on. Um, let's see. We got Luke, Luke Easterling from the Draft Wire from USA Today to talk draft, Lions, everything else. Uh, good get there, Riz. Got Rod Woods spitting fire. Going to talk about that. Fans at the games are coming up. 17-game seasons. All kinds of crazy stuff going on. We got a great show lined up. Riz, are you ready to go, my man? Oh, let's do it. Let's kick this off and break it down. All right. Let's get right into it. Boy, oh boy. What a... We're having days collectively here, Chris. Yeah, I'm telling you, brother, this is this is really something. This is this is going to take uh, it's going to take it all. This is taking uh, the cake for me. Yeah. But we, we're okay. We're going to keep going. We're going to kick off an amazing show that people are going to love, and then afterwards we'll go. Uh, we'll kick ourselves in the teeth or something. <laughs> all right, let's see. Um, why don't we get Luke in here right now? You want to? Yeah, just let's go do it. Right yeah. off and do that. Okay, let's do that. Absolutely. Let's, let's get, get Luke in here. He's he's. Been gracious enough to bless us with his time, and I know he has not a lot of time. So, <laughs> absolutely, all right. all right. Luke in here. Hello, hello. Hey, Luke. How Luke. you doing? What's going hey. on, fellas? <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Luke. I appreciate it. It's been a long time no talk, even though we work together. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's been way too long, and unfortunately, didn't get our uh, our customary trip to the beer garden this year. I know. I'm sad, and uh, my my liver is even sadder. <laughs> i don't know about that but uh i'm definitely definitely missed out on the uh the finer parts of uh, our week in mobile for sure yeah absolutely well thanks for joining us look we're uh we're looking you know this is obviously a lion's show uh, but before we get to the lions i want your take on what players definitely will not be there for the lions at number seven obviously uh trevor lawrence that's a given um, it sure seems like Zach Wilson's gone at two. After that, where's your head at right now as of April 1st? No fooling. <laughs> I tell you what, man, it's a pretty slim list after those two. I think maybe the guy that's least likely to be there out of those after those two is probably Kyle Pitts. Um, I think he's probably number three because I think you can make a strong case 
Miami, maybe they go Sewell, or if Pitts is still there, they take him there. So I, I do think there's a path for Chase to still be on the board there. Um, so that's that's really what I would say. I think Sewell probably the next least likely. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think that's kind of how I would order it there. I still think there's a, a pretty decent chance uh, for, for Jamar Chase to be on the board there, and I think obviously that would be a great scenario. That would be that would be very exciting. Uh, <laughs> my goodness. Um, I noticed you didn't mention the Alabama wide receivers there. So, no, no, so, uh, so um, the, the general consensus in our industry anyways is that Devontae Smith is kind of difficult to place and might be falling further than we expect. A month ago, every mock draft had Devontae Smith and the Detroit Lions, and now you don't see any of them. Um, do you think he's still in play there, or do you think that's, that, that ship has sailed and he's going to go – uh, most projections now have him going like 11, 12, 13 in that range. I think that's the range, man. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of film over measurables, and, but to a yes. point. And I think that when you start to talk about, you know, maybe one of the lightest wide receivers at his height to ever play the game, and you do worry about the durability, obviously if he can, you know, avoid contact and stay healthy, he can be a playmaker. I just don't know if I'm sitting there with a number seven pick and I need the type of receiver that's going to hold up for a long, long time. There's just a big chasm, in my opinion, between a guy like Jamar Chase, the way he's built and the way his skill set is. I I think you can put his skill set next to Devontae Smith, but when you put their frame next to each other, I think it's just a whole different conversation. So I I do think, for me, there's a sizable gap between the top two pass catchers in this draft. I'd put Kyle Pitts in that conversation and the rest of them. I do think Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, you could order those two guys in any any order, depending on what you want from the position and what your team needs. But definitely doesn't feel like, you know, Devontae Smith at number seven does not feel like it makes sense to me at this point. I just, I don't know if that's a risk that the Lions would be willing to take on his durability there. Yeah. Interesting. So what do you think about all the trades that have happened in the draft? Does that change the calculus for the line? This is Chris, by the way, Luke. Thanks for joining us. Um, sure. Does that change into the calculus down the downstream here for the Lions? I mean, does this kind of upset the apple cart for them and, and where who might have fallen to them? I mean, I think it could. And, and the reason I think it could is depending on who which, what who that quarterback is that the 49ers are going up for, right? I mean, obviously, I don't think it should be Mac Jones, but cor- oh. you know, I was, NFL teams. I, I was just going to ask you, it, it can't be Mac Jones, right? It can't be. I'd love to say that, but – Mitchell Trubisky yeah. at number two. So, you know, <laughs> NFL teams do dumb stuff all the time. I can't help that. Um, and again, no offense to Mac Jones. I'm not trying to knock Mac Jones, but if you're taking right. Mac Jones over Justin Fields and Trey Lance at three, I'm sorry. Like I just, that's, that's, uh, that's malpractice to me. I guess that's just not, not a good idea. Not going to bode well for you, but I think the advantage would be obviously anytime a team takes a player ahead of you that you don't think should go that high, it helps you. Right. Sure. So absolutely. I think the best case scenario for the, for the lions. And obviously this is assuming that Jared Goff is the guy for this year, at least, right. If they're not in a quarterback mindset, obviously if you're a team that doesn't want a quarterback, you want all the quarterbacks to go before your pick as many as possible. So I think the way this trade helps teams like the lions is if they're not looking for a quarterback, you've got one more spot in the top three because I don't think Miami even if they stayed at three was going quarterback so now you've put another team higher up that's going to take a quarterback a team that was not picking ahead of the Lions before so that's one more guy at a different position that's probably going to slide to you that could 
grow exponentially by the fact that now if three quarterbacks are off the board in the top three picks to get those other two guys, teams are going to try to move up the board, right? Yep. So you're thinking maybe if Atlanta goes quarterback at four, or if they don't, somebody's going to think, Oh man, I got to get ahead of Carolina. Maybe I have to get ahead of Detroit if they're worried about them taking a quarterback. So now you you're enticing teams to go up and get these quarterbacks and Every single one of them that goes ahead of the Lions is great news for them if they're not looking for one because that means just, it's just more likely that Chase or you know any of these other top prospects that they could target are going to push them down the board to them. That's that's great for them. Let me let me circle back really quick to Mac Jones because we, we talked about how silly yeah. uh, NFL teams can be um, to use a nice phrase around it. Um, <laughs> Overall, just just if you were to rank um, your, your draft order for everybody, where would you expect Mac Jones to go in the draft? I mean, again, taking out the, the NFL teams do dumb things, where would you kind of rank him in the order of picks that should go in the draft? I mean, if we're talking should, he's a day two guy for me. There I think the last, the last overall board that I did, I think he came in barely as a top 50 guy. Um in the draft period. So obviously, you know, and I get it. The quarterback position is too important. You you can grade these guys in a vacuum, but it doesn't really apply to where they're actually going to get drafted. Because if you have a quarterback that has a second round grade, you probably have to take him in the first, right? Because right. if he's worth a second round pick and that, that position is just too important, he's worth a first round pick. Cause that's just the difference that guy can make. And I get that, but I'm not drafting for an NFL team. And I think that's, that's one of the rubs between, media scouts and media rankings and boards and team boards. They're, they're, they're different premises, right? We're, we're grading in a very different way in a very macro way, kind of applying them to a general NFL team and not 32 different schemes, 32 different ways of evaluating. So they're always going to look different, but in terms of my scale, he's a guy that I would not spend a first round pick on, I guess I, you know, if I had everything else, if I was, you know, somebody like the Bucks, I guess, who didn't really have a need at 32. Okay, I'll take that guy with a first-round pick and send him behind Tom Brady. But, man, if you're telling me that I'm going to trade two first-round picks just to get up and have the right to spend a number three overall pick on that guy, <laughs> no way. Especially with guys like Fields and Lance still on the board. Yeah. No way. I just – I feel like he's a, he's a guy, and this, this is, you know, a little bit of hocus-pocus, right? But he's a guy that I think – Anybody who drafts him is going to be unhappy unless they're the Patriots because for some reason I feel like they can turn him into something special over there. What And you know what's funny is that Bill Belichick is a great coach, but he's been not a very great GM. Right. So That's it's true. funny to think that he could make a draft pick that because you can kind of connect some of the dots in terms of Mac Jones' style of play and the success Tom Brady had there, obviously, you can say, oh, well, you know, now I'm worried because now he's in New England and that's – I think that's just what happens when you have a dynasty. They they fool you into this mindset that like, oh no, what do they know that we don't know? What is what's yeah, going to happen right. now? They fool you after that. I, I don't think I don't think if if Mac Jones is going to be successful at the NFL level, I don't think he'd be necessarily any more successful in New England than he would be with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. I think that'd be a great fit for him. But at the same time, I, I don't see. I see Kirk Cousins. I see honestly a lot of Thank Jimmy Garoppolo in his game. So. <laughs> That makes even less sense to me as to why you're going to go get that guy. Obviously, Garoppolo's injury history is its own thing, but I think his ceiling is healthy Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins at his best, and if you're comfortable taking that guy at number three, more power to you, but I'm not taking him over Justin Fields. I'm not taking him over Trey Lance, certainly not with the number three pick. 
Wow. Yeah, I, it's it's going to be it is one of those curveballs that so Luke 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 and I have done draft for a very long time. And uh, the, the way that we do it, and you talked about it, Luke, was, was we have to look at it at a macro level from 32 separate teams. And that, that sort of makes it more difficult when we do zero in on one specific team. Um, like you, you cover the Bucs, uh, I cover the Lions. Uh, and it, 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 when, you, when you have to do it that way, it makes it so our rankings sometimes are a little skewed. Like, like, we're, like as a Lions guy, I have Trey Lance higher um, norm, than normal because he fits where the Lions are at at the quarterback position. They don't need a quarterback for 2021. They might not for 2022, but they probably do in the long term beyond that. So Lance is a guy who makes sense to me because of that. Whereas, you know, I, Mac Jones is ready to go for the most part. I mean, he has limited experience, but he's coming from the, the pro-style offense, and it, it doesn't make any sense when you already have that guy in place to me. And I, I know you deal with that too. Now, now you don't have to worry about that because you have Tom Brady on your team. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and who knows how when he'll stop playing. So I don't know when that's going to change. Never. But, but Never. I completely understand what you're talking about because when I look at this draft class, in a in a from a draft wire perspective i'll say i'm i'm doing it you know each individual prospect individually based on what they do well regardless of whatever and i'll tell you what scheme maybe he fits or i'll tell you whatever but but there's still you're still trying to compare everybody and grade everybody on some sort of scale that is comparable to one another right but once right. you put the lions hat on or once you put the bucks hat on there are certain players that are just gone just yeah. guys that are just not not on the board anymore. And that's the reality in the NFL too. And obviously there are different reasons for that character, medical, whatever, but also from a scheme standpoint, there are prospects that you're just going to look at and say, there's no way that guy would fit in this scheme because of what he does. There's also the other side of that, where you look at a guy and the prime example is a guy like Antoine Winfield. Antoine Winfield jr. Was a guy that it was so easy to see right away. You're like, Oh my God, that's a Todd Bowles safety right there. That's a perfect fit. That's exactly where he needs to go. And while a player like that, honestly, is so good that he should be pretty high on every team's board, it it wouldn't be surprising for a team like Tampa Bay to say, you know, he's a top 10 player. He's a top 15 player because of what we know he can do in our defense specifically, how we would specifically deploy him. That's how those boards can be so drastically different. And you can have guys that will be very high on some boards that because of their size or their skill set or how they fit particularly at a, at a position like on the edge. If you're a defensive end in a 4-3 or outside linebacker, there are guys that just aren't going to fit because you're saying, hey, if we have an outside linebacker, we needed him to be off the ball so that guy's not going to fit. If we need a defensive end, we need one, a guy that's 300 pounds and can you know take on multiple blockers, that sort of thing. It's so different times 32 that you have to look at it in very different ways. Yeah, that's tough. So, so I'm going to go – go a little bit deeper because the lions don't need a quarterback this year, but they might need a draft one. Your thoughts on the, the second tier of quarterbacks below, below Mac Jones, um, it, not, and not Kyle Trask. Cause I don't want him. Um, I don't want to talk about him, but um, guys, guys like Jamie Newman, Kellen Mond, um, Shane Bouchelle, guys like that. Where, where are you at with, with that group? Um, who stands out for you? Who doesn't stand out for you? Um, anybody that that's like way off the radar that, that even I probably don't know too much about that, that you and Emery hunt have, you know, in the secret <laughs> cave somewhere. <laughs> I tell you what, I don't know if I, I, I deserve that kind of credit being on the same level as Emery when it comes to em- Emery's of, the best <laughs> of unearthing, whatever. That's, that's, uh, another, another conversation I miss 
uh, yeah. having missed our trip to Mobile. Yes. Uh, having some oysters at Wenzel's and hearing about players that I've never heard of that I will definitely need to know about uh, yes. from Emory. But no, at, at quarterback, I think obviously the first name to me is Kellen Mond. I think he's the guy that in terms of upside and potential, and I know we throw those words around like crazy, but what that means is I see physical and mental tools that will allow him in the not, you know, not too far future to be a very dynamic player at the position. If he continues to progress, I see a guy who can make some really ridiculous throws, maybe some inconsistency in his performance. But again, that's a guy that you're comfortable sitting behind a starter for at least a year uh, and knowing that those physical tools could be something really special if they continue to develop. I think he would be easily the next guy at number six after those top five quarterbacks, you know, Kyle Trask is, is like you said, a really, uh, I don't really know what you do with him. I, I think that's, he, he reminds me so much of Mason Rudolph and I don't want anything to do with that. I, and that's hard. I, it's hard to blame you for that. That's, that's for sure. I think the next guy, I think Davis, Davis, uh, is it Davis Mills from Stanford? Yeah, I can't even, yeah. yeah, that's his name, right? Uh, <laughs> I, that is the guy that if you're looking for a more, you know, pocket passer type, as opposed to Kellen Mond, who I think can make plays really well outside of the pocket. Doesn't mean he can't be a pocket passer. He can make great yeah. throws in the pocket, um, which I, that's something I just hate, man. We assume that when a quarterback breaks contained and makes plays, it means that he can't not do that when it's not necessary. It's the dumbest thing. I hate it. But, uh, but yeah, I think Mills is maybe the more intriguing guy in that mid to late round range. I don't know where he ends up landing, but honestly, that's the kind of guy where I wonder if he ended up in a place like New England, if he ended up in a place like Tampa Bay, Again, if Detroit is is married to Jared Goff, at least for a season or two, you know, where he can go and sit there, I, you definitely see starting starting caliber tools that he has to work yeah. with there. So those are those are the guys I think there that would make the most sense to me. After that, man, it's really not a great class. It's not a deep quarterback class in terms of guys that I really feel confident in. If if there were one guy, I feel like if I had to spend a day three pick and and get the guy that I was confident that that would be a lottery ticket. I think it is Jamie Newman. I think that that that's a guy that is really, he could be really good. He could be nothing at all, but, but the, the, the peaks of his film and the, the, what he brings to the table physically in terms of his arm talent, his athleticism, his toughness, obviously very inconsistent, not a huge body of work after he, you know, opted out after transferring to Georgia. So, you know, you don't necessarily know what you're getting there but some of the evidence points to the potential for something really special if you can get him late. And that's one of the things, that's what I was going to ask you about next. Jamie Newman, he's been a guy I've kind of been watching and trying to decode and, and unravel here the, the onion on him. Really interesting prospect. We, we watched the film uh, Senior Bowl in our coverage this year. It was horrible not to be there, but he, he is, his, he came in with a body. So like if he if he had done the if we had done the uh, um I call it the elephant walk but you know the 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 the, the walk where uh, the way in yeah, the, the, the on oh, god the most awkward <laughs> yeah. two hours in in sports he would have just been the star of the show he came he was so just absolutely ripped and just looked so athletic but the the inconsistency you nailed it I just don't know what to think of this guy I mean he he seems to have potential but. After his senior bowl performance, I was hoping to see his stock rise, but from my perspective, he didn't do himself any favors at the senior bowl. Where, where's your head at? On, on I know you, you think inconsistent. Where do you think he can he can take himself as far as NFL quality? I think he's the kind of quarterback. He's a, he's a dangerous prospect to me because he's the kind of guy where if you take him too early, if you take him early enough, he'll get you fired. 
if you take him yeah. late enough, he'll win you executive of the year. Um, so <laughs> it just depends on what, you know, and again, we talk about these guys in a vacuum, but so much of, of how much a player succeeds at the next level has to do with where you go and who's yeah. coaching and who's making decisions, who has built the supporting cast around you, who is making those decisions. And if there's any position where that's more important than any, obviously it's quarterback, right? So mm-hmm. I think where he lands and, and how the team is structured around him, both in the personnel and the decision-making, I think we'll have a great deal to do with whether or not he's successful at the next level. And I think that's what makes you, if you get to day three and you've got, you know, multiple fourth round picks, you may have a, a you know, a later grade on him, but you're looking at the tools and saying, Hey, maybe I've got a huge needs that I've not taken care of in the first few rounds. I'm going to bank on the upside. I'm going to bank on my coaching staff. I'm going to bank on the fact that I've built something around this kid that if I need to rely on him and we can, you know, develop him in, in the, in the shadows base. But I think if he ends up in the right spot, there's definitely a lot to like there and he could develop into somebody that could be like, wow, why didn't this guy go earlier? Yeah. Um, one more question. Um, this is from the, the super chat folks are asking, can you just give us a preview on the 2023 quarterback class it, 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 there's a sense there's a sense here that this is where the lions may have to pull the trigger um what's your thoughts that, Luke? that's a long way off yeah, i know uh, i was gonna say I, I have the short answer is absolutely not no i cannot do that no, I, no. I, and i meant 2022 sorry i think i think yeah. he, he fat fingered i mean we're, that. like like I, I know luke i we, we've we've talked about this a little bit yes he's like we're aware of who sam howell is we're aware of um uh the kid Spencer at usc yeah, yeah, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, um, but we haven't had time to study these guys yet. Um, I just, I just moved. I just moved, yeah. Jeff. I'm old. I just, <laughs> I just got back from Best Buy because they didn't, you know, they told me my my washer got destroyed at the warehouse after I bought it. So that's that's oh. the point of life I'm at. I don't know anything about these guys yet. Yeah, it, it, it's too far off to know, and you know, we're still trying to master who's going to go, who's going to be Mister Irrelevant this year, and things like that. Yeah, that's. It's tough to project out that far. And so much, by the way, should change on the quarterbacks from year to year. Um, if you would have asked us two years ago, what do you think of this Joe Burrow guy going into his last season? We're like, oh, third, fourth round guy with some upside. And all of a sudden, he, he's the greatest quarterback in, yep. in college football history. Jeff, <laughs> Kyler Murray was going to play baseball. That's right. That's right. He was. <laughs> Remember Javon Sneed being the number one overall pick in a preseason? Oh, my park? gosh. Oh, my gosh. Shane yeah, Patterson. These things mm-hmm. are very, very well. Shea Patterson hits close to home here. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah sorry about that. That's painful. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. I'm I'm not a Michigan fan, but I I had to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was better than John O'Corn. I'll give him that. By the way, John okay, O'Corn. Sure. So so we'll go to. I want to hit the the pro day throws that we watched this week. Every single quarterback made the the massive throw where they they pivot and roll out to their left, rolling to their left. They throw it with their right to a guy coming across the field. How e- you played quarterback, Luke? How easy is that throw relative to how hard it looks? I was going to say I I feel like after watching all the the hullabaloo about it, and then so watching clips of Sam Darnold do it in the game, I was like, man, I just got to go out there and do it too. I guess I'm going to just run around and use some Photoshop to make it look like it went further than it really did. But uh, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, yes, we put way too much into the pro days, and no, there's no defense, and it's scripted, and you're in a you know a, a more advantageous environment. But yeah, those are tough throws, man. And, and again, when 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 multiple guys can make them, 
and make them look easy. It doesn't mean they are easy. It means those guys are all really, really good at this and, and obviously have been well coached and, and have great mechanics to be able to pull that off. Um, it's impressive no matter when you see it. It's just one of those things. It's like you have to, you have to know what it means and you have to know what it doesn't mean. And, you know, I, after watching Kyle Bowler throw the ball a mile and Jamarcus Russell throw the ball a mile, that's cool and all, but arm strength only matters if you know what to do with it. So I think honestly, to me, the more impressive thing about that throw is, are you hitting that guy in the right you know, moment? Does he have his guy beat? And are you putting it in a, you know, in a trajectory that makes it impossible for the defender to get to it? Because yes, it's an impressive physical feat, but it's more about putting the ball where you need it to be and not necessarily how, hard you have to work your body to get it to go a certain yeah. way. So it's obviously an incredible thing to watch, but you got to make it happen on Sundays. And I think that's, what's going to tell the tale. What do we, what do we got with these yeah. 40 times out of these pro days too? I mean, we know that they're, they're all what he deflated, I guess would be the, the right word to use. Um, they're all, they're all faster than <laughs> they should be. Um, except somewhere along the way, you have somebody who's telling the truth or has a real 40 time out of their pro day. And now you don't know if you're getting Jelani Tavai or mm. you're getting a real Tough number. Borland. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you do with these numbers? I mean, is it really you just go and scout the player and throw the metrics aside this year and try to try to do your best based on film and you know adjusting as you said you know what do these things really mean and what don't they mean in the pro days? Yeah, I think honestly, if anything, you have to take it's easier when it's like this and you and nobody went to the combine and everybody has these times, so it's like you kind of have to take every time with a grain of salt, and if you add you know, a couple tenths to everybody, you probably are somewhere close to the truth, right? As opposed to, well, this guy went to the combine and we have lasers on him, but we don't have him on this guy who went to his pro day and ran really fast. I think, honestly, it's still probably a similar playing field. I think from a team perspective, what it means is I hope you trust your scouts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I hope you trust the stopwatch that that guy's holding because at at the end of the day, whether it matters for us is really irrelevant. At the end of the day, it's going to matter to these teams picking these guys like, hey, do you believe that time is legit because you were the one clicking the button? That's what's going to make the difference in terms of how high these guys go and whether or not they live up to that spot. I feel like the NFL should be bringing the lasers to the pro days. I mean, it's not like you got to move the Death Star to do this, right? Let's let's get some real numbers together. <laughs> and hey, I'm not going to lie. When they first kind of announced the way this pro day circuit was going to be in lieu of the combine, I kind of thought that's what they were going to do. Yeah, yeah I, I, I thought that was going to be part of the deal, right? So I'm kind of surprised it wasn't. And yeah, so, so yeah, so one of the things, um, and it came out, and I forget who it was. It was somebody from LSU. Oh, it was um, Jabril Cox, and LSU yeah, released the, the GPS, the, right? Yes, uh, I, I know that the Lions are very big on that. Brad Holmes, the new GM, ha- has said um, that that he likes that. He prefers that to the forty. He's not so worried about forty times. He's worried about more like top speed, rate of acceleration, and things like that. How fast do you see the rest of the NFL going in that direction, and to where we're not watching these guys run? Um, when we're sitting in a giant conference room in Indianapolis uh, eating bad food again, where, where we're just like getting the biometric data from all the schools. Yeah, I think I think if if any team's not there, they're going to get there super quickly, and and that's because that that information is actually helpful. And I think right when it when the when the combine times and the pro day times back that up, that's great. I look at a guy like Devin White who came to Tampa Bay yeah. a few years ago at number five overall after an incredible performance at the combine, but he was that player on the field. He showed it the next year. Remember that run where he ran down Chris Carson from behind. I was in Seattle for that game watching that. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to catch this guy. He caught him, knocked the ball out. He's that player on the field. And if you can do that with pads on, that's great. And the only way to know that is with that kind of data. So I think that 
the more of that that is available to teams, I think it will give them the opportunity to know the difference between track speed and football speed. And I think obviously that's going to make a huge difference in their evaluations. So a lot of conversations about Kyle Pitts. Um, We've had some speculation that he doesn't make it down to seven. Um, And and the more likely or less likely it seems that he's going to make it to seven, the more it seems Lions fans want him. What's your thinking, Luke? <laughs> do you, do you well, evidently, Pitts... Lions fans are like every elementary school child then. Because exactly. the minute okay. you find out you can't have some, then now you, want to, now you really want it. You're so. not, you're Welcome not to Detroit, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you th- what do you think about Pitts? Does he fall? And, and if he does, oddly, um, is, is, he the fi- is he the fit for the Lions? That, that folks I mean, he's is. the type of player where if he doesn't fit your team, fire everybody because <laughs> – you don't know what you're doing if you can't find a way for that guy to make an impact uh, on your team. I don't care where you line him up. He's just he's a dominant player. And again, he's the kind of guy where when he goes to his pro day and he puts up all these numbers, you know, you kind of look at other people like, is anyone like this is what we saw. This is the guy we saw every yeah. Saturday. Like none of, none of what he just did was surprising to anyone at all. It shouldn't have been at least. Um, but no, I, I don't think there's any way he makes it to seven. Uh, I just again, Atlanta yeah, at agree. four feels like it makes the most sense. I feel like he could go to Cincinnati at five. He could go to Miami at six. And I think any, any one of those teams would be silly to pass on him. But I, all three, I, I have a really hard time believing uh, that that would happen. I think he's just too special a player. Yeah, that's crazy. So so we're probably – Jamar Chase, you're obviously a big fan. Um, would he be your, your ideal fit for the Lions at seven? Yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of it is because he brings to the table a lot of what you just lost in Kenny Galladay. I I think that guys that are similarly built, I think obviously Chase is a little shorter, but that that thick, very physical frame who can, you know, beat the jam at the line. He can win those contested balls. He's got a lot of that same skill set to him that you just lost. Um, and he can do it all. He's, he's fast and physical. He can run great routes. He, he's got very strong hands that can catch the ball. He's willing to block. I know a lot of, a yeah. lot of NFL teams, if you can't block as a receiver, you're off the board. They, they're not even interested in you. So I think that's a, a big <laughs> right, Exactly. So, yeah, I think he's the ideal fit, man. I think he's the most complete wide receiver in this class. Uh, and I think if he's there at seven, he's an absolute slam dunk for this team. Good deal. Um, one more. If, let's say they don't take a, a wide receiver at seven. Let's say they take Rashawn Slater or Panay Sewell um, or uh, Patrick Sertan even. Um, day two wide receivers that you think would fit because uh, this team needs more than one wide receiver. They also need safeties. Um, maybe maybe some, some names for day two at those couple positions to, to look out for that, that you would like to see in Detroit. Yeah, I think that it's going to be interesting to see which receivers – don't go on the back end of the first round, right? Because you've got teams like Baltimore, you got teams like Green Bay, maybe even Kansas City. I know offensive line's the big need there, but they don't have Sammy Watkins anymore. You know, maybe yeah. receiver is – it's going to be interesting to see which types of receivers fall down the board, basically. Because if I'm, if I'm Detroit and I'm still looking for that complete guy, he's got size, he's got speed, the guy I'm hoping falls to me is the other LSU guy, Terrace Marshall Jr. I think that's the guy who's – not Jamar Chase, but has that height, has the long arms, has the, the skill set you would think of when you think of a number one wide receiver in the NFL. I think if you're okay getting a guy who's not that guy, but who can actually, you know, can still be a dynamic playmaker, there's a bunch of other guys that are smaller that bring different skill sets to it. If you can't get your hands on a guy like Jalen Waddell, 
being in the second round and getting any combination of, you know, Rondale Moore or Elijah Moore or uh, Kadarius Tony from Florida. All three of those guys I know are, are not the big guys, yeah. but very, very explosive playmakers. And, and no matter how you get the ball in their hands, they're going to they're gonna have some problems. And again, you wouldn't – I hate kind of the way we think of number one wide receivers because we think they do have to be these big, tall, physical guys who can do everything. But, I mean, if you don't think Tyreek Hill is the number one wide receiver in the NFL – I don't know what you're, you know, what you're getting yeah. at. So yeah, look at what, look what Tyler Lockett just got. Right. Yeah. It's not everything. Yeah. So <laughs> there's so many of those smaller, but, but really explosive guys that I think they can't all go in the first round. So I think a couple of them could easily slide to them. They're definitely going to have some, some attractive options there. Uh, and honestly, I've done a few mock drafts where I just couldn't help myself. And I gave him two receivers in a row. I, I, hey. I've had, I've had mocks <laughs> where they've gotten chase at seven. And then one of those, other guys who I think would pair really well with them if they get Rondale Moore or one of those guys and can pair that smaller, more explosive guy with the bigger physical guy. I mean, they just got depleted in free agency. Yeah. So being able to double dip at that position, especially when you're hoping to get the most out of a quarterback you just traded for, I, I couldn't see them really going wrong there either. Yeah, especially if you really want to get an evaluation on him, right? I mean, if you really want to get your an understanding of what you have in Jared Goff, you need people who can catch the ball. And they don't have that right now. So um, any kind of forward, even and then even if you go on a year from now or two years from now and you don't like golf and you want somebody else as your quarterback, having qualified receivers there, top quality receivers there, helps get that young guy off the ground and get him his confidence going in a way that helps him um, be more successful. This is you know. Yeah, this is I feel like Jared Goff Lions, walked into anyway. the wide receiver room and he was Will Smith at the end of Fresh Prince, <laughs> or I Am Legend. <laughs> like you let you let everybody go. Thanks, guys. Uh, it happens. Um, uh, one so uh, one other thing. Um, the, the Lions desperately need safeties. Um, I'm going to assume that Trevon Morig is your number one. But uh, can you round out? Can you flesh out like? And he's. I, See if you agree with me. I think he's going in the teens, so the early 20s, and I don't think he'll fall to 41, and I don't think that he's worth risking where the Lions are at seven. Um, who's like your second tier, guys that might be there on day two, day three, or early day three, you know, that, that second, third, fourth round mix, who can probably play right away? Because uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm looking at this class, and I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird safety class, man. I, I'm with you. I think Trevon Morig's – floor is probably 25 to Jacksonville. I don't, I don't think he gets yeah. past them. Um, Cleveland just signed John Johnson, obviously, and they've got Delpit. So that was a, a spot I liked for them, but I don't even think he gets that far. Honestly, after yeah. that, man, I'm with you. I think there are probably like eight or nine guys that if any one of them is the second guy off the board, I'd be like, eh, okay, that makes sense. And if that doesn't happen until like the third or fourth round, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. you know, Javon Holland from Oregon, Richard LeCount from Georgia. Um, I, what, Caden Stearns from Texas. There's um, Richie uh, Grant from UCF is a guy that I've liked since his junior year. I think he's a fun guy, can do pretty much everything, can play in the box, can play single high, likes to hit. He's a big physical guy. He's athletic. So a lot of, a lot of names, a lot of different guys, again, that no matter how you order him, Andre Cisco, if he's healthy, I think he was one of the better safeties. You in like the him a lot, don't you? I, I know you've... I, you've I yeah. want him to be what I saw when he was fully healthy. I think I saw okay. some flashes from him, particularly as a ball hawk, as a guy who can make plays when the ball's in the air. I like him. Again, there's just huge questions. Obviously, you want him to be healthy and, and see how he's coming back from that season-ending injury. But it's a, it's a very odd safety class, man. Like I said, there's probably eight or nine guys in that next tier after Morig. And Ardarius Washington, the other guy from, from uh, TCU, I'd put in that 
in that range. God, as well. I wish he was taller. He's tiny, man. <laughs> but uh, but he's a he's a he's a playmaker to watch as well. So again, that, that's the part where it comes down to fit. It comes down to scheme. Those guys could come off the board in any order, depending on what team's picking, and it would make sense based on how they fit. But it is a very, very strange safety class, and I wouldn't be surprised if teams wait to take that guy unless they really love a guy because that next tier is really kind of logjam. Awesome. All right. Hey, Luke, I know we've eaten up a whole bunch of your time. Really appreciate you uh, joining us. Um, love to have you back on again as we uh, get into the draft and maybe some post-draft analysis. Make sure you check out Luke and all the folks at uh, draftwire.usatoday.com. Great stuff over there. Uh, get you all the information you need to get ready ahead yes. of the Luke coming Luke does a NFL great job. Draft. He's been doing this for a very long time. He's one of the people that I trust, one of the people that I consult with when I have questions. So uh, it, it's great to get you on. Thanks so much for joining us, Luke. Hey, it's my pleasure, guys. Had a blast, and uh, let's definitely do it again. Yeah, for sure, buddy. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. Luke Easterling, USA Today, yeah. DraftWire, draftwire.usatoday.com. He's a great guy, Riz. I'm glad you brought him he up. He is. He, he's, he's a really good guy, um, and he's local for you. Um, yeah. I, I, although he did, he just moved. I think he moved actually the other direction from you. But, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's a very smart guy. He is, he's like me. We, we kind of got into the game about the same time. Um, and we used to compete against each other, and then we became friends, and now we work together, and it's it's great. Um, and and having the, the resources like that is really cool. Um, we disagree on stuff, but again, he he's always a guy who backs it up with film. Um, and it was great to get him on. And we're gonna have more draft guests. Um, I've got a queue of two or three different people who want to be on, um, and they're going to represent a, a very diverse opinion on on certain players. And we're gonna try to get their feel for. You know, the Lions, but also like what's going on else around the league, um, like like the safety class. Yeah. For me, um, I, I was personally trying to get some ordination there because I'm doing my big board now and I have no clue where to rank these guys. Um, like, like he said, one team's number two could be another team's number eight, and you couldn't argue it really uh, just for it. Um, uh, so that's, you know, uh, I, I, w- I hope one of the realizations for Lions fans is that this team needs two starting safeties now. Yeah. They can't wait on that. Um, if you're strutting Will Harris out there as your number two safety, your defense is not going to be good. Uh, I, I know he was poorly coached. There's a ceiling to how much you can get coached into that guy. Um, as one scout told me, <laughs> he's like, I'm not sure he's ever watched a football game before. Um, and that, that was recent. Uh, you know, that, that there's just only so much you can do with that. And CJ Moore is your only other court uh, safety with any experience. On the team. So I, I want to keep stressing for everybody that's like, oh, we got to get linebackers. No, you need safeties before you need linebackers. Don't but you want unfortunately, linebackers is, in the first round? This is not this is not a great draft for safeties. It is a great draft for linebackers, though. Mm-hmm. So that's where I want to go, Chris. Uh, real fast, we'll diverge into that. Okay. Yeah. So because I'm 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 writing this for for Lions Wire. Um, I'm I'm kicking off the uh, a blank player for every round of the draft. Um, I did cornerback first. Cornerback will be out Saturday morning. Linebacker will be Sunday. First round, you don't need a linebacker in the first round. And here's why, because the second round guy that you can get is a guy like Jamin Davis out of Kentucky. Wait, hold on. He, You're uh, saying we don't need an off-ball linebacker in the first round of the NFL? That's correct. This year. Yes. Absolutely smurfly. Okay. Yes. Wow, this is crazy. I hadn't heard this before. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm imagine that coming from my lips. <laughs> How about that? You can get a guy like Baron Browning. You can get a guy like, like Jamin Davis. You can get a guy like Pete Werner. Um, Jabril Cox, even though he didn't work out, all of these guys are capable of doing exactly what you specifically want Lions linebackers to do, and you don't have to spend the number seven overall pick on them. 
and they also don't have shady off-field issues that uh, Mr. Parsons does. Doesn't mean that Micah Parsons is, is a bad player. He's a good player. I think one of the things that I hope has come out in, in all these pro days with Ohio State and LSU and, and, and Kentucky's even, and, and there's a lot of really, really good off-ball linebackers. You can get them throughout this draft. You don't have to devote it to – unless it's the focus of your defense, and that's not what this defense is – you don't need that that early. You can get perfectly useful guys later. Yep. Um, and, and I hope I, I hope that people are coming off. To, every year, Lions Lions fandom does this every year. They focus on one specific guy in the draft, and more often than not, they're focused on the wrong guy. I remember it was D. Milner years ago. I remember um, it was Sammy Watkins one year, um, which was never going to happen because he was never going to be there. And I. This year, it seems like that guy to me is Micah Parsons. That people don't realize that there's other linebackers out there. Like, like, I'm not, obviously I'm opposed to taking a linebacker early. I'm not opposed to getting a linebacker, but there's more than one linebacker in this draft, and I hope that that's that's what people are going to get from from what we're doing and, and what we're talking because there's there's some really good late there's some late round guys that I really like that I think can start next year in Detroit above Alex Anzalone, yeah. uh, who they just signed. Uh, it's so that that, yeah, I I don't mean it to be browbeating um, and and go off on my my wild rant again about <laughs> linebackers off the field, but you don't need it. You don't need it, Chris. Your safe Wait. word. Do you remember your safe word? <laughs> Mika Parsons, it's out. Yep. Okay. Micah Parsons. Mike, Mike, Mike Parsons is a good football player. He's got really yeah. short arms, and you, you saw that when he was running without his shirt. He had little T Rex clubs, but. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's all right. All right. I, I want to talk about something we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm going to plug something we're going to talk about in an upcoming Ooh. show. We didn't have time to get it to this week. We're not going to have time to get to it this week. Um, yeah. Breaking down each player position, uh, quarterback, running back, outside linebacker, all that kind of thing, and describe three specific things about them. Absolute highest draft level for the position, what it takes for a player to be taken that high, and why do teams sometimes overreach for a player in one of those positions. That's going to be uh, probably next week, uh, depending yeah. on guest of it, uh, timing and availability. Yeah. We also have our mock draft media roundtable mania coming up too so we got a lot coming ahead of the draft we're not ending the show here by the way i'm just giving you guys a preview of yeah, what's coming yeah. up um a lot of really really good stuff there um let's see okay let's get into yeah. we might have to do an extra show chris just oh my fun. god yeah i know it's there's there's so much going on <laughs> there's too much going on <laughs> all right uh, life, life is a chaotic whirlwind right now you know you know how you, you you're able to deal with that whirlwind and enjoy your life you go to cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com you head on over there you get yourself some of the the magic the magic stuff um it is uh use use coupon code lions you get 55 percent off you got two kinds I, I, I try to explain this every time so people know you have the regular cbd which is great for pain anxiety and insomnia and then we'll take care of all of those things it won't trip a drug test and you'll feel like normal you go drive a high low you drive a truck you have you you're fine you, you go do all the things you got to do you will not be impaired and uh you'll have the relief that you're looking for the other side is the delta eight chill line and the super chill line that stuff that will trip a drug test uh, but it's legal in all 50 states uh it will plant you in the couch uh if you go with the gummies (laughs) just so you know um gives you all the same efficacy (laughs) of the regular cbd plus frankly a buzz on top of it and a a good strong long-lasting buzz uh cons i've got feedback from tons and tons of people who've used it 
Head on over to cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com. Stock up. Use coupon code LIONS. Get yourself 55% off. It's over half off on all the stuff there in the store. It's great, great stuff. We've been partnering with Diamond CBD. They helped us with St. Jude um, and some other things as well. Great, great sponsors. So please head on over to cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com if you're looking for that kind of relief in your life. Okay. Thank yes. you for indulging me, Mr. Risden. Hey. Let's move on to a little bit about Rodwood. Are you, are you, okay, yeah. are you okay to talk about, about the Rod? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the Rod had talked. Uh, yes. That was, yeah, that was yesterday. Do you remember yeah. the narrative? It wasn't that long ago. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Rod Wood's running the team. Oh, my God. He doesn't know anything about football. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, people. Ah, <laughs> yes. People. Good times. Yeah. And oh. and the questions still come. Um, okay, Loretto Loretto's hit us with a couple super chats. I got hit. Let me let me run back. Sorry. Okay, we'll get into Rod Wood here. First, I got to go right. to Ryan. He hit us right in the beginning. Thank you, Ryan, so much for that super chat. Um, and thank you for the congrats on the new gig. Yes, he knows. He's in the in the uh, Slack. Oh, he's, he's a he's Slack. a Patreon Slack man. Yeah, yeah. I have a new job. Uh, and Malcolm, I see you talking about it. I'm a, a corporate athlete. Uh, I, I, I got the three donut drill down. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm starting a new job likely the first week of May. It's funny because you talked about uh, Luke being kind of competition. Um, this I'm, I'm yeah. joining and we'll be working directly with a guy who was competition. We got to know each other a little bit. Uh, benchmarked and worked together a little bit, and now we're going to be working side by side, hand in hand. Funny uh, how that works, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and really, never burn bridges. Yeah. You never know when you're going to need God, someone. It's crazy, crazy. Yeah. So it's it's for me. I'm I'm. It's been a crazy trip the last couple months. It's been a a massive distraction, and uh, just this week everything finally came together for good. So that's really good. Thank you, uh, Ryan, for that. Loretto, you've been been through here. You hit us with the. Uh, the quarterbacks, upcoming quarterbacks, does it matter if it's a strong safety or not? And also, Lord wants to know, is it harder to find quality wide receivers in every round or linebackers? I think this year you have a really, really good mix of both through the rounds, wide receiver and linebacker. Am I, am I wrong, Riz? I'm sorry. My, my internet's being wonky. I only caught like bits and pieces of oh, that. Oh, sure. Um, so is it harder to find quality wide receivers in every round or linebackers. And I feel like that we're blessed this year with a uh, preponderance of both throughout all the rounds. All right. So, so I, yeah, I, I, I caught your question there. Um, this year, it's probably easier to find a linebacker that can play in every round. Um, there are there. Uh, how, but in terms of like getting impact guys late, you're probably not going to get that. Now there's guys like Kate Johnson draft this year. Lions pick and I used it on Kate, but he and what Jesse James did last year in terms of production, you know, 15 to 20 catches, um, maybe get you a touchdown or two, um, especially if they put Isaiah Simmons out in the cover. That's where you're at um, in terms of getting late guys. You're, you're looking then, is he is his late round focus going to be on guys that are like lottery tickets or is it going to be guys that are like high floor, lower ceiling guys that can play right away? And we don't know that. Um, and if you look at the Rams history and that they did it either way. So it's, it's hard to tell where the organizational philosophy will be on that. Okay, cool. Cool. Sorry. Ha having some internet issues. I apologize yeah. to everybody. This is, this is April fool playing its prank on me. Um, just as everything starts to feel good and, yeah. and nice again, it starts everything first fall apart. Uh, let's talk about Rodwood. Let's get into that. Um, he's oh. not running the team. Um, let's start no. with the 2024 draft. 
It could be in Detroit. <laughs> Dude. It could we, be. We could report from Prime and Popper. Oh, that would be nice. How good was that? Oh, that was so good. Huge thanks oh, to Colin God. and Sandman. Colin, right. Colin, that was awesome. That was a very fun and very needed night. Yeah. Um, as I told as I told him when I was there, that was the first time I've been out to dinner with anyone that that isn't in my family in well over a year. Uh, probably since Mobile, actually, of last year in, in 2020. So uh, it, it was great. Good friends, good times, great service, great food. Oh, my God. That, If you get a chance, you want a great steak and a great experience, go to Prime Proper downtown in Detroit. Absolutely fabulous meal. Yeah. yeah, You can uh, take a look. I posted it. um, It was Risden, myself, Colin, and Sandman, uh, four of us down there. I posted the picture on the Twitter at DET Lines Podcast. Check us out because it's really Really, really good stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's it's very good. I would I would definitely recommend it. I will try to get back there again. Um, my wife and I have our twenty fifth anniversary coming up, and that could be in the plans for that. Oh, nice! Yeah. I we will try. We'll, we'll I will I'll ask them. See if we can broadcast from there. Uh, if if we get the draft oh, that would be that would be something else. But yeah, so so the draft. Um, I've been to live drafts. Uh, the last one I was at was was the last one in Chicago, which I think it was two thousand sixteen. Uh, I will be in Cleveland this year, and I'm hopeful that the experience is a good one. Uh, fr- from what it sounds like, and by 2024, we'll, we'll hopefully not be wearing masks anymore at the very minimum. Uh, but the it, it's a great experience to go to, uh, at least the ones that were in Chicago, and, and I know that the one in Nashville was done this way. It's like it's like an NFL village around it. There were rides. There was um, you can do all the combine drills that don't involve weightlifting there. Um, you, you can test, you can, you can run a 40 yard dash against your kids. There's food from all over the place. The taste of the NFL is there. It's a really cool, immersive experience. You can find, um, you can find souvenirs and you can find, uh, like the, the NFL store that they have there has stuff that you can't normally get elsewhere. It's a really, really great thing. And it brings tons of people into the city. I know, I know the last year in Chicago, um, it was a beautiful weekend for the first two days. And then Saturday, all hell broke loose and it was like sleeting, <laughs> but uh, uh, it, there's like 250,000 people there. So it's a, it's a good economic boon. They do it really well. Um, you're not actually in the area where they're making the picks. You don't see the players at all. Um, and that's, that's going to continue, by the way. That's not, that's not going to change. Uh, but there's like a, a, a thing that's called Selection Square. And you're sitting in a tent. And there's probably, I want to say it was like 500 of us in there. And they, they get fans from every team in there. Um, our friend Rishi, uh, I don't know if you know Rishi, um, he's Lions guy. Uh, he gets in every year um, when he goes to the draft. I, I sat with him for a year. Um, really good. If you're watching Rishi, power up, buddy. Um, and, you know, his, his friend Matt is a Colts fan. Uh, I sit with him. He's the, he's the guy who actually dyes his beard blue and wears the blue suit for the Colts. Um, really good people. Um, and they, they have reactions. They have trivia questions. It's a lot of fun to be in the selection square. So if you get a chance to do that and it's in Detroit, that would be great. I hope they get it. Uh, I can I can envision where they'd have it now. You know, you close off that area between Comerica Park and and maybe even go up as far as Little Caesars and that whole district there. The yeah. uh, with, with the circle that's there. Yeah. Um, that's it, like Woodward that, that goes through it. Um, yeah. That's a great area to set it up, and yeah. I, I hope that they get it. Rod seemed fairly optimistic that the, that that it was open, and I I know that they do want to make it a traveling show where they will eventually get to all thirty two and all thirty NFL cities. There's, there's the two teams in New York and two teams in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, I know they want to do that. And the, the sooner they get to Detroit, the better, because uh, it's, it really is cool. It's a great experience for the city. 
Um, and it, hey, look at that. Hey, that's me. Here we go. I got that. Oh, oh yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There's the boy. That was so good. Yeah. It was so good. There's the video or the the picture of the guys at the prime proper. Look at that. Look at all that meat. Oh, Oh my God. God. Those were good things. Good deal. Had Had the meat sweats late that night. Yeah, it was good. And and then the the power move was to bring home the dessert, right? (laughs) You always score with that. All right. Colin and Andy both did that for their significant others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job, gents. Uh, okay, so Rod Wood, uh, in, we're in the mix of 2024 draft. Um, he's completely revamped the uniforms, I heard. We're going to have uh, purple and green so, uniforms from now on, right? <laughs> uh, I, so this, this, this was something that and, – and I was, I was listening to the press – I was actually in the press conference uh, on mute. Um, I was on a treadmill at the time, so I wasn't really paying close attention. I, I sort of missed that in the thing. I'm like, oh, wait, wait, really? Uh, I, I saw uh, my old friend Eric Schlitt wrote about it. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Um, th- there is a potential for a redesign, uh, and I believe they can do it as early as next year. Uh, you have to keep your uniform combination. I believe it's for five years, I want to say. I just went through this with the Browns, um, and I think it was five years that they had to keep it, and then they changed it. But at least they will be able to come up with a different alternative uniform besides the current color rush. I know that they'll be able to do that as early as next year. I like, I, I know I'm on the island. I like the silver top. I wish it was more silvery. Mm-hmm. I I freaking the blue pants with the white stripe on. So I can't stand those. They look yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that they will start from the bottom up and work their way up uh, on that. Um, you know, I, I, I was reading um, in, in the Slack today, they were, we were talking about, you know, we're just too much like Dallas. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah. it's sort of the same yeah. color scheme and, and Dallas they do the, they're dark. I love the, I don't like the Cowboys whatsoever. I love their dark blue tops yep. that they wear with the silver pants. Those are sharp yep. uniforms. Yeah, yeah. I wish we had a combination like that. We don't have that. Where are you at? Do you, you, you don't like the gray pants either, do you? Not really. No, I, I, I'm the guy that likes the big shoulder pads from way back in the day too. <laughs> right. Um, I like, I like the whites. I like the whites and the blues. The black uniforms were kind of cool. Um, I think they could be done well in, in a kind of a modern way. I think about like, um, Oregon has some black uniforms, right? And didn't Michigan state have some black uniforms too? If I remember Certainly right. better than their neon green ones. Yeah. Yeah. Those looked really, really good. I like a really good, you know, well done black uniform. I think you could do some really nice stuff with the Lions colors. Um, but I, I'm, I really prefer the whites, right? I mean, and, okay. and the, the problem with the whites is you you guys are exactly right. It, it just lines right up with um, the Dallas colors. They look so similar, right? So yeah. um, having a, ha- putting something together there. I just like that clean look, though, that clean kind of classic look. That's, that's where I'm at. The blue yeah. and, and, and the numbers on the grays were so hard to read. It was just like. Yeah. So, so one of the big complaints that I've seen, and I, I hadn't ever really like thought of it, but as soon as somebody said, I'm like, oh yeah, the font. I don't like the font. Yeah, it's Wayne uh, font. Specifically of the lions. It's the Wayne the, you know, font. Yeah. It's, it's literally what it's called. The Wayne fonts. Look it up. It's if you need, the, really? font, if you need the font, no way. look it up on the internet. It's Wayne fonts font. <laughs> That's awesome. No offense to Wayne, but it's not the best font for, no, uh, for watching the better. game. Yeah, so so are are we as a show supporting the 
the the exploration of new uniforms. Yeah, I think I, I'm I'm good with okay. it. I, I I don't want to speak for you, Riz, but darn it, no. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I'm always up for change. I love change, right? I, I lean into it, so it'd be great to to, to go with that. Yeah, I'm Let, with you on that. Let's talk about something that's popped up here. Um, Goodell jumped in with. Fans at the games. Um, yes, Rod Wood weighed in on it a little bit, and I want to. We can add in the seventeen game season there. Uh, we're going to pick up a game against the Broncos. Yep. Seventeen games, fans at the games. This this feels good. Can can we please please get training camp? That's that's what I want more than anything. So that's our so time, man. I I don't think Rod talked about it, but somebody else did. I mean, maybe it was Rod. I don't know. I, this this week has been a massive war. Uh, I've got a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes um, that, that's been uh, somewhat uh, weird. Uh, so, uh, but there there's talk that uh, so OTAs will not be done in person, um, and the Lions lost a chance by having a new coach. Normally, normally when you hire a new coaching staff, you get an extra two weeks of OTAs at the beginning of it would have started next week. They don't have that. Uh, and all OTAs will be remote. But training camp, it sounds like they want to have live in person with at least media there mm-hmm. um, and maybe maybe select family and friends. Maybe they'll be able to open it up. Uh, I think that's going to depend more on the local municipalities um, where you're at in Florida. I, I don't think there'll be any issues if the Buccaneers want to have somebody there or the Jaguars do. Michigan's a little bit of a different story. We're uh, we're not there yet as a state um, for for whatever reason. Uh, and I don't know that we'll get there by mid-July. I'm hopeful that we will. Um, there's uh, One of the things that Rod was seriously proud of was the, the efforts of getting vaccinations, having Ford Field being a host for it, that is now open to anybody 16 and over. Um, that's also now true in Grand Rapids, by the way, where I am. Um, you can go to DeVos Place if you're over 16. You do need to, to make an appointment, but you can make it like an hour before you go if you want to get vaccinated. That's a big thing. And the more people that get vaccinated, the faster we can get that through. This is something that Rod said. This is something that Roger Goodell said. This is something that uh, a lot of people have stressed. Um, Arthur Blank from the Falcons also uh, was big on it. If people are vaccinated, we and and Blank's I'm going to paraphrase him here. If everybody's vaccinated, I don't understand why there would be any limitations on what we can do um, for training camp and for offseason and preseason. And I Without being an epidemiologist or without being, you know, in, in an NFL front office, I have a really hard time finding any fault with anything that he said there. <laughs> I have a little bit of knowledge in the area. Uh, I'll tell you, if you are concerned about the mRNA thing, uh, because it is a new vector for vaccines, the Johnson & Johnson one is like a traditional vaccine. It's like the old mumps and, and, and measles and uh, flu shot vaccine. So if you're if you're not really certain, you have an option with that Johnson and Johnson one to get a more traditional style uh, vaccine. So um, that you know that's the route I'm going, and uh, I'm just waiting for availability here. Um, but it's it it makes sense to get it. Um, I mean, there's certain people. It's a it's a it's a personal choice. It really is, right? And while I would love for 100 percent of the people to be vaccinated with 100 percent efficacy and 100 percent safety profile not um, gonna happen. right there's there's just there's other things so you make your choices right and you you have there's i think there's three choices there there's the moderna and, and pfizer one which uses an mrna uh action to take care of things and then there's the johnson and johnson one that is um, more of a traditional style vaccine 
Uh, and I think the data on that says it's less efficacious at preventing the virus, but so far 100% of the people who have gotten it have not been hospitalized uh, right. after getting their Johnson yeah, & Johnson. That, one. That's, so that's yes. a pretty good idea. That's pretty cool. And then you have the idea of not getting the vaccine, which is, it's it's like I said, it's a personal decision, right? I'm not going to, I'm not here to talk politics or, or vaccinations nope. or any of that stuff with people and tell you what to do. It's, it's your decision. Um, but uh, there's certainly, yeah. you know, with all understand though that 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 people who are making decisions for you and that includes the NFL that includes your local governments are looking at that data and are ba- are making decisions based on efficacy rates and uh, infection rates and vaccination rates uh, well, I, and that's I that, think the it, idea that the 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 NFL is actually doing it they're doing it based on dollars and cents. Well, absolutely, <laughs> and that, they they want money. No, no question about it. They they want everybody. They want full stadiums. Goodell made that very clear. And, and I and think it's really good, though, in that you have a. It's not. I don't want to say it's a check, but you have different interests working against and with each other to push what is probably the best public health policy forward. And and it's like it's like having checks and balances in place. I really like that. I like the fact that there's a a group of people that are out there that just want to make money. I like a, that there's a group of people out there that just want uh public health, right? I like that there's different groups that are are bringing the data forward and there's a good dialogue about this because the end result is it's something better for all the folks. You and I. Yeah. Yeah, I just want training camp. I want I want to go to training camp. I want to I want to see in the media tower. I want to go hang with people on the sides. You know, I want to I want to go sit with Kent Platt on the side and have him have you and him get in trouble um, for for texting. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, don't want to get in trouble again. I've had enough trouble in my life. Go to a preseason game. I want to sit with Sandman up in his suite. I, you know, I want to, I want to do these things, and the sooner that we get to do that, um, the happier my life will be. Um, I, I want to be able to go to watch my kids play basketball and I want my parents to be able to come and watch them play basketball soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these, these, these are things that are, that are priorities, you know, and, and we're getting there. Um, it, it, there, there are lights at ends of tunnels and hopefully not all of them are trains. Yeah. Don brings up a great point in the chat. He's guessing there's going to be about a three page disclaimer on the back of the ticket that you're putting yourself at risk, your choice, yada, yada. I, you know what? It's going to be like one of those end user license agreements for opening up yeah. windows, right? <laughs> it's going to be pages and pages. All right. Um, funny you say that, but my, as, as we were doing this, my, my Norton thing popped up and said that you're expired. Oh, get that. <laughs> Oh, man. I don't. I don't want to go through the the seventy eight page. You know. Yeah. Did you read this? Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read it. Yeah. Is there a TLDR? Um, all right. Last thing on <laughs> yes. uh, Rod Wood. Uh, Patricia <laughs> Quinn showed what culture we don't want. Yes. This is he. Now I think that's actually more harsh than what he actually said. I I have to give Rod uh, credit. He did a very good job of navigating the politics of not. Uh, crapping yeah. on the prior regime while crapping on the prior regime. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he. It's clear that he's he's fired people that he didn't like before and didn't want lawsuits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he he knew what to say, but but he's right. You learn from your mistakes. Uh, they clearly made a mistake. They're acknowledging it. They they've they've been forthright in saying it, it's not right. And the fact that they're now telling you, hey, this is not. We know now what we don't want. You know, when, remember when he got in? I don't know anything about football. Now yeah. he knows what bad football is. Yeah. Um, now, now he's he's looking to find good football. Will we find it? I don't know, but at least we're not going down that dark path again. It's it's going to be fun. 
I keep saying that it's going to be fun, and that's 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 what. I'm and that's that's one of the things you know. I, we don't have Luke here anymore, but but one of the things that I get when I'm talking when we have our we have a a Slack for work um, with all the wire editors and. People are like enthused about the Lions. They're like, God, your team was just like not even existent. Like they had no profile at all nationally. And now people are talking about them. Yeah. And it, it might not always be positive. Uh, and and we certainly have to give that. We don't know that it's going to work, but we're excited to at least try something that's fun, something that's different, something that's not the dark ages of football. Something and new. It's refreshing. Something new. Yeah. And, and that's something we've talked about, you know, historically on the show is you've got to be the first, right? Sean McVay, the, the, the Rams, I think their time's passed. They, they may get a resurgence with, uh, with look at Stafford. all their defensive players. They've lost. Yeah. I feel, I, I legitimately feel bad for Stafford because they're, they're two best players, two of the three best players in their secondary are now starting in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, no, that's, I think, I think they, and, the, and their second best defensive lineman is now in Detroit mm-hmm. and Michael Brockers. Great pickup, by the way, yeah. brilliant move. I think the, um, you know, McVay did a great job of iterating and changing the the status quo, and then got figured out. Uh, before that, I'm thinking back to Harbaugh when he was there, running the offense in San Francisco. Did a great job of iterating and changing things, right? And, and what, what what did he follow? He followed traveling meat salesman Jim Tom Sula, who followed um, uh, the worst coach I've ever seen in Mike Singletary. Yes, he's worse than Hugh Jackson. Yes, he's worse than than Rod Marinelli. Um, it, it's a miracle that guy won. Traveling meat salesman. I forgot. That's okay. <laughs> oh, man, you caught oh, so card. That meme came to life, baby. Yep, yep, yep. But it, it, it's that innovation that brings, you know, these teams to the forefront. The, who's been able to innovate really well? Oddly, the Patriots have innovated year after year from a roster perspective, how they approach, how they build a team and build a roster. The Saints, uh, perennially a good team, have innovated and changed and evolved their team um, in, in ways that have brought them long-term success. That's what it takes in this league. And I think the way that the you know Sheila has built out the, the and, and Rod has built out the management team with Brad Holmes, um, Disner, um, Dan Campbell. The whole no, notice that, that Rod brought up Disner very quickly in yep. the conversation again. Yeah. He's been getting a lot meetings. of run. Yeah. yeah, brought him to the NFL meetings. He's and but this is the thing. So what do you think of immediately? Oh, he's gonna be somewhere else next year, right? Okay. And and but that's good. That's exactly how this team works. That's what they're thinking of. That's the kind of culture that they're talking about building here is building your people up, letting them excel, reaping the benefits of their excellence while they're in their position and then if they move on that they move on somewhere else and you're, you're able to promote from within because you've you've grown your people across the board they've all learned and, and built up uh something mm-hmm. together i really really like what they've got uh going on here i really like what they've got going on here and i think that this iteration is something that i mean this is this is a recipe for success in the modern word world well i hope so boy I, I, I hope it does, but this is in in the workplace, the corporate world, and the sports world. This is the kind of mo and and yeah. organizational structure that I I see working better than that. For than, me, it, for me, it's a lot easier to see how this path leads to success than the last one did. I think the last one had a very narrow margin for error, and I don't think that they accounted for the margin of error at all. I don't I don't think they ever thought that it would fail, and I think that was honestly that was that was probably Bob Quinn's more than Matt Patricia, his undoing was that he didn't prepare on how to adapt to his own failures. 
Um, and that's something that the good teams do very well. It's ironic because the Patriots probably do that better than anybody. If they make a mistake, they instant, instantly take care of it. Yeah. They rectify it. They don't let roster mistakes linger. They don't let draft mistakes linger on the roster. If a free agent isn't working, he's gone right away. Fail Other fast. than Sylvester Williams, the Lions just didn't do that. Yeah. Fail fast, <laughs> right? Hey, it's okay to fail, but do it fast, get past right. it, and move on. Um, John Paul, I think John Paul Morrison in the chat, this is a great Great point. It wasn't Goff that was figured out in L.A. It was McVay. Goff was told to do the same thing over and over. The league knew how to defend against. And I think that's... that's There's certainly some truth to that. Yeah. Absolutely. McVay, I think, has been figured out. I, I think in many ways has been figured out. And uh, it was the Patriots in the Super Bowl that laid out the, bl- the blueprint. And yeah. ever since then, it hasn't been... You know, it hasn't fit the, uh, lived up to the billing uh, and excellence, they'll say, that that was there before. Um, and uh, look, by the way, at Cincinnati, um, where, where Zach Taylor, who left at the same time, incidentally, that he got figured out. Yes, they have Joe Burrow, but that's, and they got some wide receiving talent there, too, but that has, hasn't really worked. That offense, people down there are like, I don't know about this guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. So I, I'm, I'm interested in Jared Goff. I think he's a better quarterback than the, um, the perception that he's – gotten and i think that again underestimating him puts him in a position where he can really really succeed uh, again a lot of hope a lot of thinking here but i don't think we've seen everything that jared goff can do and i think he's i would been, hope not yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think he's been a little bit uh hamstrung by the uh the mcveigh offense uh as far as exhibiting his skills we've seen he can put a deep ball out there we've got some deep ball guys in Perriman and and williams now it's yeah. it's about like we talked about with Luke. If we can get one, two wide receivers uh, out there, the thing we can do for sure is we can evaluate Goff. We can determine if he is what we need. If he is better, you know, if he's if look if he's a top ten quarter, if he's a top fifteen quarterback, you're probably okay with Goff, right? I mean, you really are because yeah, probably he's top fifteen in the world at that point. <laughs> it's it's going to be hard to grab and, someone and, who's right. going to be better. And, and if he's that, that means your team is going to be ten to fifteen in you know in that range where you're picking in from ten to twenty. Yep. Pretty hard to find a, a franchise quarterback who's going to be better than that in that range of the draft. That's one of the reasons why I know people advocate for getting it this year. Yep. And if if Justin Fields for some freak of nature is there, or if Trey Lance falls, and I don't, I think he's the least likely of the, the top four to be there. Uh, then uh, of that, you know, obviously Lawrence and uh, Wilson will be gone. I, that's why I I can't tell people that they're wrong in, in wanting to get that quarterback this year. And I honestly, if, if Justin Fields is there, I'm I'm taking him. Um, I don't I don't care about Goff. Uh, that that guy's going to be better than Jared Goff. At least I hope he is. Yeah, I, uh, I'm I'm really warm into the Fields, the idea of Fields, and I hate it because. You still don't have a wide receiver. <laughs> no, you don't. But again, you can get a guy like Diami Brown. You can get a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown. There's there's guys that you can get later that will help you. And I, I we talked about this. I think Lions fans have forgotten what it's like to not have the quarterback solved. Yeah. Um, I, I go back to when I covered the Houston Texans in the the dark era between when Matt Schaub started throwing pick sixes all the time and they got Deshaun Watson. And now that was a dark era. That was a Super Bowl winning capable team if they had even an average quarterback and they didn't have it. And it it sucked all the oxygen out of everything. Their entire organizational purpose became we've got to get our quarterback. Nothing else matters. The Browns have been that way for decades. They finally got a guy 
who's good enough to, to, to wear the, the crown that they don't have to keep adding to that freaking jersey anymore. And it just it changes the outlook as a fan, as an organization, as the media covering. It's like you just when you don't have the quarterback, and it's true, nothing else matters. Yeah. Now, is Jared Goff the quarterback? That's what we're going to figure out, and I think that's what 2021 is for. That's I think that's where you're alluding to, Chris, is that we need to see if Jared Goff is that guy or not. I tend to lean more negatively that I don't think he will be, but I'm certainly willing to be wrong on that or, or to at least let him prove that he's the guy or not. Um, and that, that takes wide receiving talent. That that takes that takes getting a scheme in that's going to fit him well, um, but also isn't pigeonholed to just fit him well. Right. And I, I wonder that, that that's one of the questions that we have going into the offseason is, is how well is the, is Jared Goff going to be able to tailor to the offense that may not necessarily be tailored to him? Because in, in Los Angeles, we saw when they played more to his strengths, he was a pretty good quarterback. When they didn't, he wasn't. And I wonder where they're going to find that balance in Detroit with a rookie staff. That's that's one of my big questions for the offseason. We'll see what, what happens with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, hey, I got to remind everybody, don't forget about us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. You get access to the most intelligent Lions chat on the Internet. Uh, there's plenty of knuckle draggers and mouth breathers out there, but they're not in our chat. Uh, as little as a dollar a month gets you access to that, patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. You get an immediate invite, and it's it's fun. It's a great place to hang out. It's it's you know the the thing is is you can you can talk lions and you can talk anything lions and be treated respectfully, which you don't get in any of the other places. I mean it's just it's just ludicrous <laughs> how terrible people are. All right, with that, let's see. We got the culture shown that we don't want. We got our fans of the games uniform changes, 17 game season. You, I, I just really quick. You know because of the 17th game, this is Tom Pelissero that's coming up. Uh, Jared Goff's getting an extra check worth $1.5 million at the end Isn't of the season. Isn't that great? Good for him. Wow. God. I need that. His agent, by the way, should get a bigger cut of that than the, the typical 3 to 5%. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a proviso that was specifically put into his contract. There's, uh, I want to say there's like 60 players that got it. He's one of them. He gets the most out of it. Um, that was specifically written in that says if it goes to a 17th game, it's not. It's not going to get prorated. You actually get this X amount, um, and that's that's gold for him. Just so good when, for golf. Just when I'm getting excited about a new job and, and a raise and all that, something like that shows up, and I'm like, I didn't negotiate good enough. <laughs> where's my 1.5 million? Where's uh, where's my tenth <laughs> week of vacation? It's yeah. like a day. Yep. I want. I just want one vacation day. One. 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 It's coming, buddy. June will be here soon. I promise. Let's hope so. You, I'll give you tomorrow. I'll give you tomorrow off. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're gonna we're gonna wrap it up on that. It is. Yep. Um, Riz, thanks so much, man. Um, internet yeah. problems early. We appreciate everyone for hanging with us. Make sure you hit the like button on these, and also subscribe if you would. We appreciate those subscriptions. It really helps us out. Uh, follow yep. us on Twitter at det lions podcast, det lions podcast, and at Jeff Risden. It's a, a a great follow, great information, and, and frankly, I laugh at least once a day by his tweets. Sometimes inadvertently, uh, give us a call via Skype at the Lions Podcast, all one word, or call us on the Lions line at nine two nine three three Lions nine two nine three three five four six six seven, and be sure to go to Detroit Lions Podcast, subscribe to the podcast, so we can show up in your ears, in, in your ear holes. Automatically. That's right. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time on the Detroit Lions podcast. Remember, no pants, 
no toasters, no hot tubs, no problems because it's the off season. And we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. That's your delight. How sweet. Final seconds winding down, and look at that. How big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. You've had enough of that shit.